Exodus chapter 20. We're just looking at one brief verse this morning. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And it just as a reminder, I've mentioned this before, but the first four commandments focused on our relationship with God. And beginning with this fifth commandment, we transition to our relationship with one another. Now, that's not as if we stop worrying about our relationship with God now that we're in the fifth commandment, right? There's always a, a connection here between, um, it, there's a reflection, right, of our, our love for God that is then reflected in our love for one another and our neighbor. There's a reciprocating relationship there between the two. And so whether you're in the first four commandments, there's an implication for how you're going to live that out in your community. And the same thing as you look at verses 5 through 10, there's implications for how that impacts the way you love God. It's a reflection of the priority, right? The foundation, which is love for God. So we think of those first four commandments as that foundation that then builds on, is built upon in, in commands 5 through 10. But we can really summarize the whole law with one word, which is love, right? Love for God, verses or commandments one through four, and then love for one another in commandments five through ten. So this is the commandment uh, that again all parents are are getting the attention of their kids now and saying, "Hey, listen up, listen up. This is going to be a good one." Um, and and they they're they're getting they're wanting you to 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 pay really close attention. But it's obviously a command and instruction for all of us to learn from. And, um, and I think it will have ramifications as well that we'll consider next time, not just between the parent-child relationship, but between our authorities that God has established over us. But in sermons like this, I, I always feel the obligation to remind you that I have been preaching this to myself all week. Um, there are moments in this message that will sting, and I want you to know that I shook that hive first, and it has been pummeling me all week. Um, and so I, I have massive welts to prove it. But I survived, and I pray that the Lord will continue to work on me and you through his word this morning. I think you are commanded to honor those that God has placed in authority over you for your love and care. And this is a gift from God. God has blessed his people with authority figures. And so we honor them out of um, reverence for God. Right? It's, it's, it's primarily a reflection of our love for him. So although this command has implications for all authorities over us, that would include within the church, within our civil realm, you know, the civil authorities God has placed over us, uh, even within our careers as um, many have pointed out the relationship between the masters and bond servants that we read in Ephesians 6 probably uh, has a correlation there to our careers, right? our bosses. Uh, you can think about your teachers, whether that be in public school or private school or home school. Um, so all of these things are uh, factors. That are, there's relationships there to consider as implications of this command. But this week, we're going to just focus upon that foundational relationship between children and parents. Augustine said, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? If you don't honor your parents, 
it's unlikely that you're going to honor anyone. So next time we'll focus on the other authority figures, but this is the most important application, I think, of the text, which is to consider your parents and their authority over you. Well, let's um, ask the Lord for his help before we read this verse. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this important instruction to us. It's easy for us to lose sight of the gift and blessing of authority figures. We, we oftentimes want to rebel against those who, who give us instruction and commands. Or even if they're for our good, we just have an instinct and a gut reaction to that that wants to rebel against it. Lord, as we consider our own parents, as we consider our own children this morning, help us to recognize the good purposes of this commandment. And may it ultimately redound to your glory as we apply this word to our hearts and our lives. May you give us eyes to see, ears to hear this truth. Soften our hearts that we would respond in repentance and faith, that we would obey, that we would be doers of your word and not hearers only. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. So read with me Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Amen. This is God's holy word. We actually already read that, those same words in our look at Ephesians. And so we, we've seen some of the implications of that already. But I want us to begin first with the, the negative aspect of this command. As we've done with the other commandments and as we'll do with the rest of them, there's always this negative implication and a positive implication, depending on how it's worded. Right? There, you, can, you can take the opposite of that wording and, and also apply it to your life. So you're not just called to honor your parents, you're also called not to dishonor them. And so the Lord instituted capital punishment for children who strike or curse their parents. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with capital punishment, kids, that's, that's death. That's the death penalty. For those who, who cursed or struck their parents, kids were, were to be killed in the community. That's how important and severe this command was. When a child has gotten to the point where they are cursing and becoming physically violent with their parents, it's extremely difficult to reel them back in. And these children bring shame upon their parents, especially when these activities are seen or heard by others. Proverbs 19.26 speaks of this. And so as rebellious children get older, they, in fact, are more likely to become gluttons and drunkards, according to Deuteronomy 21. So there's impact upon the rest of their lives if they grow up learning to disrespect and dishonor their parents in such a manner. So although the consequences are no longer quite so severe under the new covenant. Uh, we should respond to such actions from our children with swift discipline. It's not something to take lightly. 
And the last days will be characterized by children who are disobedient to their parents, according to 2 Timothy 3.2. It'll be a characteristic of the age. Parents rebelling against their, I mean, children rebelling against their parents. One of the worst ways children disobey their parents is by forsaking or despising their teaching. Proverbs 6.20 and Proverbs 23 mention this. So when you get to the point where you're rolling your eyes at everything your father or mother say, you've entered into a phase of such disrespect that's also difficult to recover from. When you hear them speak and you go, oh, here he goes again. How many times do you have to say this? You're in a bad place when you are despising your parents in that way. Be careful when you are able to dishonor your parents in such a flippant manner. It reveals an attitude that's steeped in anger and bitterness and even a hopelessness that can be devastating for the rest of your life. But I'm not just talking to children. Right? Just because the instruction is given directly to children doesn't mean that parents have nothing to learn here. On the one hand, every parent also has had parents of their own whom they mistreated. The commandment is relevant regardless of your age or even whether or not they live within your home. They're still your father and mother. And so, of course, as you grow older, there's a personal responsibility that increases so that your obedience to your, you know, your parents decreases in some measure. There's, you know, there's some ambiguity to how that plays out in life. I think there's some discernment that's required there. But it's not as if the command goes away just because you moved out. Now you're free to dishonor them and treat them like anyone else. Now there's still an authority figure that God has placed in your life. And so the, the commandment is still relevant regardless of your age. And of course, as you grow older, your, 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 the way that is applied is going to vary. And, and when your parents get to the age where they may have to come under your care, and protection. It's like this, it cycles all the way back around, but all of that is a way of honoring them, right? Not, not disregarding them in their time of need. Where they provided for you during your childhood, you now get to provide for them. So all of this is implications of the fifth commandment. So you have an ongoing duty to show honor. And I would say this to parents, especially the fathers, you're instructed to bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, according to Ephesians 6.1, what we just read earlier. In both Ephesians and Colossians, Paul instructs fathers not to provoke their children, to make them angry or discouraged. And I think you all know, without even explanation, what that looks like. Because it's, it's something we struggle with as fathers. In the heat of the moment, it's all too easy to, for, for parents to either discipline in sheer anger or to be in such despair that you feel hopeless of any discipline ever taking. You feel like no punishment will ever work with this child. And so I just give up. I'm just praying for them. 
if these attitudes become a pattern, you might even get to the point where you feel anger and hatred towards your children. And it can fester, and it can turn into that same kind of bitterness and a disrespect towards one another. And so part of your calling as a parent is to discipline your child in love. To, to forsake discipline is not only lazy, but it's actually unloving to your child. So do not withhold discipline from your child. Proverbs 23, 13 says, The rod will not kill them. They will only grow up to resent you and other authority figures all the more. And so when you discipline them, do so in love. There's, there's, when you do that, when you, when you discipline them in love, there's, there's actually a hope that they will learn from their actions. There's a, there's a hope that they will grow and mature and, and that that will be a, a physical reminder of them of the consequences of disobedience. It's, it's an act of love to discipline. They'll learn to be peaceful, according to Proverbs 29, 17. They'll, they'll learn to be peaceful, which will give you rest and joy in parenting. There's blessings and benefits in actually not forsaking this responsibility. And you know the consequences when you do forsake the, the responsibility of disciplining your kids. It's that you do not experience peace in your home. Right? There's a greater rebellion that takes place. And anyone who's looked at the data, right? Well, anyone who's looked at the, the data across every spectrum of society recognizes just how important this parent-child relationship is to the well-being of a community. Children who have both parents at home do better in school. They make better decisions among their peers. They avoid violent situations. Uh, they're, they're less likely to do drugs. They're less likely to be sexually promiscuous. It's, it's important that parents are not just in the home, but actually actively parenting, actively engaged in the, in the work of parenting. So, of course, there's always exceptions to the general rule. You, know, you can have great parents and, and a kid still rebels. The kid still gets involved in drugs and violence. But those are exceptions that really prove the rule. God has blessed this relationship at the core of every prosperous society. When you just look at the big picture, you look at the, the data, it's, it's obvious. You just you cannot deny it. So to the, degree, to the degree that any culture abandons this foundational relationship between parents and children is the degree to which their health and stability falter. You look at the breakdown in, of cultures in the past, throughout history, it often begins with the breakdown in the home. And so organizations such as Black Lives Matter, that would seek to, as they put on their website, to disrupt the nuclear family. Their goal, one of their goals as an organization is to disrupt the nuclear family, disrupt the household, ex the expectation that both parents are needed 
and that children should honor their parents. They, they seek to disrupt that. For any number of reasons, we can understand. I mean, there's some would want to focus on some compassionate reason behind that. But is, it is purely to make you more dependent upon the state when you lose sight of the importance of your parents. And so anyone who would seek to disrupt the nuclear family should be seen as, it should be seen for what it is. It's satanic opposition to God's good purposes. And there should not be a chance in your lifetime that you would ever seek to partner with them. And so instead of bringing dishonor upon your parents, you are to honor your parents. That's, that's our second point that I want to consider. The Lord instructs children to honor their parents by obeying them. Children should keep the commands of their parents. In order to keep the command implies a willingness and an ability to listen to the instruction of their parents. So kids, if you have a habit of responding to your parents with huh or what, it might imply that you're not listening. <laughs> you're, you're so distracted by what you're doing that you're, that you, you're not able to turn, that, turn away from that distraction in order to honor and listen to your parents who are speaking to you. Listening is not a passive activity that you can just listen as you're playing a video game. It involves tuning out whatever it is that you're distracted by so that you can give your full attention to your parents. And so part of the responsibility to obey your parents, kids, is, is, includes giving them the respect that they deserve, which at the very least is your attention. Out of reverence for your parents, you desire to please them. You desire to listen to them. You should seek to learn from them, in fact. Gain insights from their life experiences. And that means you're, you're inquisitive. You inquire. You ask a lot of questions of your parents. I'm going to get to you parents about the importance of allowing that to happen. But children, be inquisitive. Asking questions is good and should be encouraged in your home. There's also an element of gratitude that's involved with honor. You should express how grateful you are for their love and care frequently. Thank them for the meal that they've placed in front of you. Don't complain about it. We're having this again? John Calvin argues that honor requires three features, reverence, obedience, and gratitude. Reverence, obedience, and gratitude. Think about what that looks like in your home. That last one is oftentimes the most neglected, gratitude, right? Even when we have, uh, when we're willing to obey our parents, even when we're willing to show them the proper respect, we oftentimes do so with bitterness in our heart. We, we begrudgingly obey. And so learning to respond with gratitude is an important element to honoring your parents and, and parents, you should be involved in your kids' lives by giving them instruction routinely. Proverbs 1.8. Taking time to instruct them, to teach them. If you're, if you're zoned out 
or so distracted yourself, you will not be giving them the pattern to follow. If you become annoyed by their questions, you've lost valuable teaching moments. Their desire to learn from you should not exasperate you, but it should be an encouragement to you. They're upholding the honor that God has told them to show you. So don't send them away. Don't silence them. Be patient. Help them understand. They want to learn, so teach them. Invest in them. Kids learn to tune out their parents by watching their parents tune them out. There's a lot of research that's coming out about the effects of smartphone addiction. Uh, In an article for The Atlantic, Erica Christakis discusses the dangers of distracted parenting, in which she argues that one of the greatest challenges to to, to childhood development is parents who are physically present but less emotionally attuned. She refers to Linda Stone, who warned of the dangers of giving our children continuous partial attention. They're in the room, they're around us, but we're kind of just focused on on our smartphone or we're focused on our iPad or our our computer, and we just are listening to them carry on. Oh, yeah, 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 go ahead. They might be interacting with us occasionally, but our interaction is, is partial. It's distracted. So Christakis writes, smartphone use has been associated with a familiar sign of addiction. Distracted adults grow irritable when their phone use is interrupted. They not only miss emotional cues, but actually misread them. A tuned out parent may be quicker to anger than an engaged one. I would switch that to they will be (laughs) quicker to anger. Assuming that a child is trying to be manipulative when in reality she just wants attention. And that, that cuts, doesn't it? If you own a smartphone, you know how easy it is to be distracted by them. We should not respond to this by, by making our children the, the very center of everything we do at all times. That's not the response either. It's, there are times where you need space, where you need to, to distance yourself from your children. Give them something to do that will occupy them for 30 minutes so that you can go and have some time for yourself as well. That's an important thing, and that should be honored as well. That's part of them respecting you. But when you're constantly in their presence and you're only giving partial attention, then you're not actually engaging at any point. We all need our space from time to time, but we need to ensure that we are spending intentional, quality time with our kids as often as we can. Otherwise, we're simply providing continuous, partial attention. So Jesus always honored his earthly mother and father, even when they thought he was being disrespectful of their authority. And we don't see many examples of this, but in, the childhood, in, in his childhood, when they go to the temple and he stays behind, it's at least one example of where their expectations were not met. They expected him to be with them, and they were upset when they found him still in the temple, but he was honoring the Lord, right? He was, he was 
perfectly obeying his heavenly father. And in so doing, it doesn't mean that he dishonored his parents. It's not a requirement as if you, you can, you have, he had to dishonor his parents in order to honor them. No, he did not have to dishonor them. But since we do not hear about Joseph beyond the, the child of, of Jesus, it, it seems likely that he, he had died prior to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We don't hear anything about Joseph throughout his ministry. We do hear his interactions with his mother on several occasions. Um, and he even honors her as he is dying on the cross. And he gives us a perfect example of obedience to this fifth commandment as he ensures that John will take care of his mother. And so children and parents, you don't have to wait until the next Mother's Day or Father's Day in order to honor your parents. All right, show them kindness today. Reach out to them with a, a word of encouragement. Treat them with the respect that they are due and hear their counsel even. There are going to be times where their expectation, you have not met their expectations. And some, sometimes, as we see in the life of Jesus, that, that doesn't mean that you've dishonored them. Sometimes it's your parents had really bad expectations. So there needs to be a willingness to forgive in the midst of this relationship here. And parents can model that forgiveness by asking for it when we're so distracted by our smartphones that we have failed to parent properly. But we look to the example of Jesus, who perfectly honored his heavenly father and his parents throughout his life. And so therefore, the blessings follow from that obedience. This is the first commandment with the promise to live a long life that you may that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you we lost a, another incredibly wise and gifted theologian this week J.I. Packer died at the age of 93 on Friday and one of the commentaries that I've been using throughout this series is from J.I. Packer called keeping the 10 commandments I thought his insight was helpful here on this phrase he says, the long life promised in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, as well as in Deuteronomy 5, 16, to those who honor their parents is not guaranteed to any Christian, but it remains true that children who flout their parents suffer loss. Those who openly disregard their parents suffer for that. They suffer loss. They forfeit a degree of human maturity and make it harder for themselves to honor a father in heaven. Again, it shows us that connection here between honoring our parents and the honor that we show to God. The promise of long life and blessing lived within the context of the family according to God's design is something that the statistics confirm, just as we pointed out already. And so parents should be intricately involved in training and nurturing the faith of their children within the covenant community. I think there's implications here for how we gather even. The fact that there's children in this church is, is rare, unfortunately, today. I think that's a sad thing. That's a loss. 
and we see the effects of that loss because we, we hand the parenting responsibility to someone else who is not really qualified or as invested in, the, in your children's lives. So having your children right next to you, watching them watching you, is crucial to their own growth and their own love for God. God will use you in this gathering together week after week, even without all of the explicit parenting you're doing throughout the week. This example that you give by sitting alongside your children is so important for their health and their involvement as they mature and grow up. Well, happy endings don't get the credit they deserve anymore. You can almost guarantee that any movie that has a high rating today from the critics has some kind of vague ending that they perceive as being more realistic. And so it's depressing, usually. Uh, I'm not a fan of, of stories that wrap everything up perfectly without really developing the evidence either. Uh, but you do not have to be utterly pessimistic about life to have a satisfactory ending. And one of my favorite novels, one of my favorite musicals, well, it is my favorite novel and favorite musical, is Les Miserables. It has the perfect ending. You have Jean Valjean dying after a long life, and he, he's surrounded by his, his well, he's, he's joined by Cosette and Marius, his daughter and her husband. And he hears these reconciling words of love and respect from his daughter. It, it, it's a... Sorry. It's a, a deeply moving scene. And I can't describe it without seeing it in my mind. I have this a lifetime, really, of suffering and redemption that's portrayed by the life of Jean Valjean. As it comes to a close in it, he's overwhelmed with joy. Even as he breathes his, his dying breath, that's... That, that's how we should all want to end this, our time in this world, to be able to say that, that we sacrificed and suffered. In order to provide for and to protect the ones that God entrusted to us. Right, ultimately, the, the novel is a, a picture of God's love for his people. This is how God is caring for you, is, is he places these authority figures in your life called your parents. And as difficult and challenging as that is, uh, it, it's a beautiful picture of his care for us. And so there's the, the most popular quote from the novel as well as the musical is, the, to love another person is to see the face of God. And so we can, we can all admit that we repeatedly fail to keep this commandment. 
that if we truly love our children, and if children truly love their parents, we'll treasure this commandment. If you're feeling discouraged by the rebuke of God's law, if you're feeling convicted, there's only one place to turn. You have to flee to Jesus Christ. He alone was truly and perfectly obedient to his heavenly Father. And when we turn to Jesus in repentance and faith, he does a work in us by his spirit that reflects his own sacrificial love for you. And so when we pour ourselves out for the good of our children, we reflect that sacrificial love of Jesus Christ who poured out himself on the cross to love and care for us in our deepest need, which was dealing with the consequences of our sin. He bore the wrath of God in your place, the wrath that your sin deserved. He became sin for us, that we might in him become the righteousness of God. And so apart from the redeeming work of Christ, we would have absolutely no hope of being the kind of parents God has called us to be. And so let us turn to him. Let us trust in him. Let us ask him for the strength to be the parents that he's enabled us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of parenting. We thank you for the the kids that are here. Lord, fill us with, with a love. Fill us with a, a love for our children that, that reflects your love for us. May we give them the, the, the kind of attention that you've given to us. May we train them up. May we instruct them. May we discipline them in love. May we not forsake our duty as they are called not to forsake listening to us. And Lord, we know that there have been and will continue to be failures on our part. Lord, help us to once again be reminded of what Christ has done, that we would respond Lord, with a, a greater compassion. And build us up and strengthen us for the challenges that lie ahead in this week. May you strengthen the families that are represented here. 
strengthen the unity and the bond that we have with you and one another. Help us to look to godly examples. When we have failed, help us to turn away from that sin and repentance and once again be reminded of the gracious offer of pardon and forgiveness. It can only be found in Christ. Let us see in his example of obedience to his parents but that sometimes expectations are not met on either side. That doesn't mean there's dishonoring that's taking place. Lord, but the way we respond to that is, is important. So help us not to become hopeless, whether it be in our parenting or to the degree that we have learned to, to be flippant about our parents and the way we respond to them. Lord, correct us, and may that conviction lead us to the cross where we rest once again in Christ and his perfect obedience. As we respond in song and as we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, may all of this be a means of grace for you to do a work in our hearts that we desperately need. For your glory, we ask it in Christ's name.